On this episode, we discuss Money Plane. When you absolutely, positively only have Kelsey Grammer for one day of shooting. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey there. I'm Stuart Wellington. Elliot Kalin's here, and our special guest this week is Nobody. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mr. Yeah, Nobody from the Doom Patrol <laughs> TV show? Exactly. All wrapped up in bandages and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, in he, the TV show. You he won't looks, be talking. Yeah, in the TV show, he looks more like, uh, kind of like a weird, like, Tron thing. It's pretty awesome, and it's got part of Alan Tudyk's face, so thumbs up. Oh, so which character am I thinking of? Uh, I think you're thinking of, oh man, what's that guy's name that looks like an Invisible Man type? Yeah. No, I don't remember. I haven't seen I've the show. I've only started watching but the show. I only haven't seen the show, and it's been a long time since I read the comic books. Uh-huh. But they, so, but, they, so. but they cast Matt Bomer as that guy, and you're like, when you got <laughs> okay. a face like that, you're wasting it under all that bandages. But whatever, you know, white well, collar, etc. I'm, think, I'm, I'm thinking of Negative Man. Negative That's man. what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, so on, on on this podcast, we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Yep. And uh, we are entering the holiday section of our uh, Flophouse calendar year, uh-huh. where we have a bunch of semi-arbitrary, uh, you know, theme months and days and such. And uh, this is Small Timber. Small Vember, as it's actually called. <laughs> where we watch smaller movies. And this uh-huh. year, we're going to watch a couple that aren't, like, super small the way we sometimes do. But they are definitely sort of dumped to uh, video-style movies. Yeah. Um, this this is Small Vember Battle of the Stars. That's right. We're yeah. going to be watching Small Vember movies that happen to land a well-known name or names in them. Mm-hmm. So that we're not going to have any loves on a leash this time. Yep. Uh, these movies all have background music and at least a few recognizable faces. And this uh, this movie has a ton of recognizable faces, even if Thomas Jane's face, for some reason, is not... <laughs> I, could not recognize him. I love I, it. I, well, I couldn't recognize Joey Lawrence. I'll tell you that uh-huh. he's changed a lot because uh-huh. he's a chameleon. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the last time you saw him was on Blossom too. Was, when you realized it was Joey Lawrence, I think you said, "Whoa!" <laughs> uh-huh. You asked yourself, "How did they get Joey Lawrence?" And the immediate answer is because his brother directed the movie, and that's why there's another Lawrence brother also in it. But it's, it's an all-star cast for a small Vember movie. Uh-huh. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, you know you gotta build you gotta build a movie around a wrestler. So how are you gonna do it? Well, you're gonna have to make him the greatest con artist heist artist in the <laughs> history to, of the world. You're gonna have to make him sit down for most of the movie. <laughs> now, now, guys, did you did you have to look it up to realize that uh, the lead was a former wrestler, or could you tell from his muscles and ponytail combo? <laughs> <laughs> I did not know he was a former wrestler. I did look him up uh, after seeing the uh, Money Plane trailer, which, of course, made the rounds on the Internet. Everyone yeah. was delighted by that. That was the yeah. meme of the day for yeah. a while. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't. I was like, this looks like a guy who should yeah. be someone, but I have no idea. 
Yeah, I think he wrestled under the nom de wrestle of Edge, which I'm guessing yes. is some kind of guitar playing fellow. <laughs> here, here he's listed. Here he's listed under what I assume is his birth name of Adam Copeland. But yeah, once I knew he was Edge, I was like, oh, okay, I'm semi familiar with him. But mm-hmm. uh, it was, but what, I did not recognize his regular name or his face. But I did recognize his physique. And his long hair. He was either a wrestler or when the movie was over, he just got on a motorcycle and traveled the country righting wrongs and bringing justice to those who had escaped through the loopholes <laughs> of the legal system. Or like a Knuckles type figure. Yeah, like Knuckles from the Sonic games. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is, that what, is that what Knuckles do, does? He rides a motorcycle across the country bringing justice? I mean, in all the drawings I make, yes. <laughs> 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 he just rides the country, righting wrongs and impregnating Sonics yeah. from coast to coast. <laughs> In these drawings, is there anything about Knuckles being pregnant or no, maybe I mean, like... Knuckles, Knuckles isn't pregnant. He's more like a Johnny Appleseed type figure. So he's always leaving little Knuckles, but you know, She's half Knuckles Impregnating others. That's why I've yeah. seen so many pregnant Garfields on the internet as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Knuckles no, that... came around. Yeah, uh, yeah that's him. that's... That is what John Arbuckle would want you to believe, that that's Knuckles doing. Oh, God. Shit. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's not go further Allegedly down this road. Allegedly over here. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, look, I'm just saying wait for the book, guys. Yeah. The book's coming out. Yeah. Uh, so this movie, Dan, you mentioned that the trailer was going around. Uh, we watched the trailer for Money Plane, and I feel like not since the trailer for Fateful Findings first hit uh-huh. my eyeballs was I like, mm, yeah, this is a movie I'm going to have to see on the Flophouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have to watch but, that thing. And, but and it was perfect for small vember. But you know what? I'm not going to be piloting this plane as much as I would like nope. to. Nope. Listeners, nope. we're going to be in the very capable hands of Captain Wellington. Uh-huh. Yep. I bonked Elliot on the head and stuffed him in the airplane <laughs> toilet uh, so I can fly <laughs> this plane. That's what yeah. happens not even in the and, and then, like the baggage area. <laughs> and, then you you told, the and then you told the flight attendant, don't go in there. My friend's feeling flushed. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're like, that's a, <laughs> that's a stretch. Uh, okay. So, um, of course the movie opens, as you would imagine, it opens over narration. We hear a Frasurian voice echoing in the distance. It tells of a legendary money plane where any bets are possible. If you wanted to bet on a man fucking an alligator, you can. Now here's, here, well, hold on a second. Here's something I wanted to uh, uh, just ask a question is, so let's say you're laying a bet on a man fucking an alligator. Sure. What is the I, bet? Like, yeah, what I is see the where bet you're going here, because if the bet is, will that man fuck the alligator, like, you're not going to get much of a payoff if you bet on the man not fucking the alligator, because I assume that the odds are, you know, like, huge in favor of the man not fucking the alligator. So, because the alligator will probably eat him, yeah. I mean, like, are the, <laughs> yeah. are the odds that they're gonna he's going to impregnate the alligator? In which so case, I that's guess... also a sucker's bet, because they're two different species. It's not yeah. going to work. Mm-hmm. A but mammal cannot good... impregnate a reptile. <laughs> it seems like the only good play here is to place a small bet on the man and the alligator having coitus. Yep. And then, like, you know, it's something you can afford to lose, but it'll pay off big. If it happens, uh-huh. but that's, here, a, that's, but, a, that's my tip to you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dan, Danny the Greek. Yeah, you can usually you see tip. Dan at the uh, the New Jersey racetracks that have recently reopened. He's there yeah, on just the giving giving hot tips on on cross species <laughs> events. Yep, he's uh, he's taking out his uh, his racing uh, racing forms from uh, the brim yeah. of his cap, and he's occasionally mm-hmm. ripping them up in anger, and then having to go explain things to somebody over the phone. 
And every now and then he ends up getting scammed by a Italianish man who's pretending to sell Tootsie Fruitsie ice cream, but is in fact selling betting books. And Dan has bought an elaborate library of betting books from this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that is a, I mean, I, you know, everyone who gets that joke, I love you. <laughs> so, so the uh, uh, the narration actually doesn't happen. I that, I made that up. That was a that was a Stuart fib. You caught me, guys. Uh, take me away to Stuart Jail. That's a jail filled only with me's. Um, wait, wait. So it's but you run the jail or you own it? I also run and own it. Yes. So it seems like a conflict it's of a interest that you would jail. be imprisoned it's, in your own jail. The thing is, that's a lot of characters for me to have to play, but they're all me, so I can think I can do it right. Um, so is it we, like an undercover boss situation? <laughs> it is like an underground boss situation. Thank you, Dan, for pointing that out. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, is that it's all about me just kind of figuring out that uh, the people who work for me, who are also me, uh, they have, you know, they're, they're fully realized characters. They have well-rounded lives, and you know what? They need the support yeah. of a boss who is also me. So we go, uh, the movie opens on So, And a, who are the customers? Uh, Who's the customers? <laughs> Customers at a prison. Uh, I mean, I guess that's a modern take on prisons. I mean, that is the prison industrial complex we live in. Those customers, as I think you've already guessed, also me. So okay, we, uh, we go, uh, the movie opens on a con or a grift. It's media res, like usual, uh, where we have... An, I, think, I think you would call this a heist. Uh-huh. Yep, mm-hmm. so it's a heist, yep. So it's a, it's a heist happening at uh, what appears to be an art museum, although the exteriors <laughs> look like museum. a... Like a like a like a warehouse, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, but we are helpfully given the Chiron Art Museum. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The museum has no name, unless in a kind of touch of making the museum a piece of ready-made art itself in a Duchampian way is just labeled Art Museum without any other identifying characteristics. It could be that this museum is kind of a pop-up event that's yes. all part of a larger creative yeah. uh, poke at what is yeah. art? What is a what museum? A because as we'll see, yeah. does this museum have any art in it? We'll find out. Now, Stuart, I want to ask you a question right off the bat. Sure, now, I, I'm on it. On a he- in a heist movie, mm-hmm. uh, this first scene where we, you know, learn who the uh, team is, yep, and uh, and and see them pull a job. Uh-huh. Like, that heist must be amazing with a lot of, like, ins and outs just to show you how cool these guys are and, like, with a lot of style, you know? Well, Dan, you're right. Uh, so we're introduced to our three our three very stylish—wait, three or four, I guess four very stylish uh, members of a team. Four, have, but one of them is, is kind of a junior member, as we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so th- thanks for clarifying, Elliot. Uh, the, the leader is Jack Reese, uh, you know, obviously uh, heir to the Reese's fortune— and uh, I'm guessing this happens before he meets up with Cole and Macon and starts working for the Hellfire Club. Mm-hmm, uh, yep. And they eventually become the Reaver. No, they, they become the uh, Lady Deathstrokes. Uh, yeah, they're the Reavers, right? Yeah. The backup guys? Yeah, yeah, yep. okay, And it's sorry. Lady Deathstrike. Lady no, Deathstroke Lady... is Lady... Wait, right? It, Lady Deathstroke, I guess, is Deathstroke the Terminator's That's wife. what I was going to suggest. <laughs> <laughs> it sister. is Lady Deathstrike. I, I, yeah. and, it's, and I imagine if I called her that, she would be very upset. Mm-hmm. And she would have to speak to my manager. Is she the one that has, like, um, like Wolverine fingernails? Yeah. yeah, she's got super long, sharp talons and okay. kind of like... And she has circuitry around her boobs. And she wears a kind of samurai... Type vest. Okay. Yep. Yeah. As Lady uh-huh. Deathstrike. Right. I'm seeing her. And her. Whereas Lady. So, and her father pioneered the the procedure that grafted the adamantium to Wolverine's bones, right? Yes. But uh, he's, he died in a uh, a suicide attempt on a run on a U.S. 
like aircraft carrier or something during World War II? Uh, that I don't remember. I thought her her dad's not Donald Pierce. Was that I, someone else? I think that's someone else. If I okay. actually got this right and Elliot got it wrong, uh, man, I can't wait to do a victory. Anyway, line. money. Plane. Just write we it. Get, well, the we important thing is the important thing is that Lady Deathstroke runs a small shop in their home. It's you know it's that kind of place that <laughs> sells you know kind of novelty bags and like funny T-shirts and little toys and stuff. And it doesn't make money, but Deathstroke the Terminator just loves that she. You know, that, well, that she's got a, a, this entre- uh, entrepreneurial spirit and he wants to encourage well, that. Well, that's the thing. During quarantine, it actually became the primary uh, source of income for their household right now because Deathstroke can't <laughs> go out there and kill people. How could he do that? No, he's, not, he's got to socially distance. Yeah, that's true. He can't fly, even though he does wear a mask all the time. He, he does wear a mask all the time. Okay, so, uh, of course, so we have our point man, Jack Reese. We have his other team members. We have a tech support guy, Trey who is also kind of uh, constantly befuddled and nervous. Uh, we have Izzy, who is uh, played, of course, played to a T by our writer-director, Andrew Lawrence of the Lawrence uh, Dynasty. And we have Isabella, who is a, well, like a martial arts expert murderer lady. She is yeah. the, she's the muscle, and she is, yeah, she's your badass lady assassin. Yep. So they are breaking into this uh, art museum to steal a painting, but when they get there, they realize the painting is already gone. It's been a double cross. Uh, these guys all have machine guns, but they get knocked out with, what, like one flashbang and then Isabella's punches and kicks. They steal yeah, a I gun just, and I, shoot a bunch of people then. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say this is... I, of course, was being ironic earlier when I said that they would start this heist movie with a really fancy heist. The heist seems to be that uh, the tech guy has cloned a <laughs> uh, uh, an access badge. Uh-huh. And uh, he seems to be doing it in a very weird way where he's, like, hacking into the system while the guy's trying to, like, get walk in rather than, I don't know, like, just, like, magnetizing a strip with the right access yeah, like or whatever. doing it the day before. <laughs> Yeah, but like, uh, so there's a bit of a tension where he can't get in, and then he basically just like I don't know. They like try and walk out with the painting. There's no real heist to this. Well, heist. They, they well they go in and the painting's not there. Uh-huh. Uh, it, that was yeah. and So there's the there's the extra little stroke where they had tapped into the security camera that showed that the painting was there, but in reality the painting's not there. So part of the double cross is that their hack of the security camera hasn't turned been hacked, and it's totally unnecessary there's no reason that they couldn't just have the guy walk in and say hey the painting's not here Uh the whole security camera thing is a waste of time yep so i'm glad i mentioned it so we then uh, of course we fall back on plan b which is uh i they i guess they just start shooting the security guards who are shooting back at them but it is like i think these guys are just doing their job they're not villains they work at a art museum right well, these yeah. guys are the uh, these these heist guys are kind of the Michael Moore of of bandits, okay. where uh, their real issue is with the is with the thing they're heisting. But if that means they're just going to ruin the day of a security guy who's just yeah. being paid minimum wage <laughs> yeah. to to watch the lobby of the of the Exxon building or whatever, yeah. they'll do it. Yeah. You know, they'll just shove a camera in his face and bother him, even though he has no control over the situation and is literally just trying to make insurance money so that he can pay for his family you so, know so they all load up in an unmarked van we have a thrilling escape which involves uh some very good fake driving acting from andrew lawrence as he like throws himself back as if he just uh slammed on the gas <laughs> uh and then we we cut to the next scene where we're introduced to uh the the guy who was supposed to be paying for this painting that's right kelsey Grammer, who plays 
Oh, God damn it. Darius Grouch the third? Yes. Darius Emmanuel Grouch the third. But what's his nickname AKA, that only he calls himself? AKA the Rumble. <laughs> Which is maybe the dumbest tough guy nickname I've ever heard. Nope. Coolest tough guy nickname. Especially so. for Kelsey Grammer. Because <laughs> like, it does sound like a wrestling name uh-huh. as yeah. well. It's, it's, well, it's what happens when he gives you a hug. He shakes you a little bit. <laughs> it makes me wonder if there was an earlier version of this script where the bad guy was a tough guy and he was going to fight Adam yeah. Copeland's edge. Uh-huh. But then they got Kelsey Grammer for it and they're like, no way is anyone going to believe that Edge wouldn't just rip Kelsey Grammer in two. <laughs> yeah. But we're, keeping, we're still going to call him the Rumble. And he's the only guy who calls himself the Rumble. As we find out later, his company is called like Rumble, Rumble Incorporated. Yeah, it's called Rumple <laughs> of the Bailey. <laughs> yeah, he's much more rumpo- rumpled and rumple than Rumble. Yeah. I'm assuming there was also a similar scene at the end of Eraser where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to fight the villain and they're like, actually, we got James Caan, so he's too old. <laughs> that was always that was always my friend Rory's theory about the movie Commando, uh-huh. was that they hired, um, oh, why am I forgetting Vernon his name? Wells. From Road- Vernon Wells, and they're like, this guy's huge, and we'll have a big fight between him and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then Vernon Wells showed up not in amazing shape, and they were like, okay, well, we're going to have to have Arnold Schwarzenegger get shot in the arm or something, yeah. so this is believable as a fight. <laughs> yeah. In reality, as we found out later when we went to a screening where the director of Commando appeared, Commando was supposed to end with a big speedboat chase, uh-huh. and they r- ran out of money, and they had to shoot it on the lot, and so they literally just found a basement yeah. and that they were able to rig up to look like a <laughs> cooler basement. <laughs> I mean, Vernon Wells looks very tough in that movie because doesn't he wear like a little chainmail vest? That's super he wa- tough. He wears like a chainmail undershirt and also a Freddie Mercury mustache. It's amazing. And so the whole time you're like, oh, so this is the alternate universe where Freddie Mercury is like a thug yeah. working for bad guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so we're introduced to the Rumble. He's awesome. He talks about how a bunch of painters are a bunch of bitches. Um, and then he explains the plot of the movie which is he needs he had bought a mark uh, you guys might have to correct me he bought the the marker that was on reese's head reese's mm-hmm. uh, reese owed a lot of money to a lot of bad people but the rumble bought that marker and now reese owes jack owes money to the rumble so he needs him to pay that money back since he wasn't able to successfully steal the painting he's going to have to sneak aboard the legendary money plane, a high-stakes casino in the sky, and steal a whole bunch of cryptocurrency, or else his wife, played by Denise Richards, and their daughter will die. Am I leaving anything out? Nope, totally right. Uh, you're, you have everything in there, and uh, as we'll later find out, the whole thing of, of, the, pl- of the painting heist... Again, we'll discover. It was, was totally all double cross. I mean, that, now, that's the least surprising thing in the movie. It also, it yeah. also like an unnecessary. He's like, he, as we'll find out, he's like, he's like, hey, I bought your marker. You owe me a lot of money, and in, to, in order to get to, to cancel your debt, you have to steal me a painting. You screwed up the painting heist. Now you got to rob the money plane. Yeah. It's like, well, why? Why didn't you just have him rob the money plane? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what. That's, yeah, that's a as, good point. as is a frequent uh, occurrence on the Flophouse, you have scooped me. This was exactly my <laughs> criticism. You've you've overcomplicated your uh, thing, and also you have made your employee uh, more apt to uh, double cross you. Because I feel like you know if you, if you make him rob the money plane to pay back his marker, there's a chance he'll just pay back his marker. But if he yeah. finds out that you you like screwed him on this heist for some reason Uh and in the meantime like you've threatened his family 
it seems like you've given that guy much more motivation to just turn on you. Yeah, and I mean, when he explains this uh, this almost ludicrous plan before handing him <laughs> just like a, a normal-sized duffel bag that has everything he needs in it, uh, you know, Jack, of course, is like, are you joking me? And Kel- and the Rumble says, do I look like I'm joking? He says while smiling, so I think he is joking? I don't know, it's hard to read. Uh, so we uh, the team meets up, they're like, this is going to be impossible, but we're going to have to do it. Wait, I forget. Did we did we explain the money plane? Did we explain it's, the premise it's a high of the stakes money casino plane? In the, it's a high stakes casino. I believe in the sky Stuart called it a high stakes casino, but Stuart, what makes this what makes this a special kind of casino? Why does it have to be up in the air, starring George Clooney? <laughs> uh, well, it's. I mean, I've already said that it's a high stakes casino, and also they cover things where you know, if you wanted to bet on anything, like a man fucking an alligator. Yeah, Sounds yeah, yeah. much yeah, cooler but, when Kelsey Grammer says it. But the reason now, why that's on a plane, though, is so they can fly said, to what? International waters or in, something? Inter- international airspace. And now course, they're in international. As we all know, no laws apply in the yeah. sky. No, yeah, law. no la- laws. In the s- and I also want to mention Stuart said it was a high stakes. It's the highest possible stakes because they're up in the sky. That's stakes right. don't get any higher. Um, uh, but here's <laughs> they here's also the serve steak on board. Yeah, <laughs> those, those are the high stakes they were talking about. With pot, so <laughs> they're really oh, high yeah, stakes. Oh yeah, that's interesting too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're pumping just pot vapors into the plane, so so they're eating steaks in the air yeah, I mean, while doing high stakes gambling, while also they're high as kites yeah, and they're in a plane. Yeah, so yeah, pot butter on the, uh, it, on it, the they really covered great. all their bases on this one. Let's go, guys. Let's it go sounds to fun. It. Now here's the thing that we'll find out later, but I'm gonna scoop it again. Is they're watching video feeds of some of these blood sport events. Which implies that those are happening on the ground. So yep. the illegal part is happening on the ground, where there is very much national jurisdiction you're, you're and police. Those are happening on a different plane that is flying in international <laughs> airspace. Really? Even the one where the guy just chops another guy's hand off and it looks like they're in a living room? Well, uh, Elliot, um, I hate to break it to you, but sometimes living rooms can be in planes. You know, that's what that's what we're talking about. We're talking about micro uh, micro domiciles now. Now, now, okay. now, now, oh, Stu, wow, why okay. do you hate to break that to him? I hate to break it to you. I know it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna bum you out. No. I understood why he hated. No, no, he was right to hate to break that. That was not a good break. Okay, yeah. so, so around uh, here yeah. is where we get we get the. Uh, this is around where we get the credits. Credit sequence, very professional. So good. <laughs> Uh, we get a little bit of we get a little bit of family time, so we can see what Jack uh, what 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 the real stakes are for Jack. Is he's got a loving wife and daughter at home. They love to play yeah. around. When he's at home, he even takes his ponytail out. He lets his hair flow free like he's uh, his, ta- uh, knuckles again. Um, they have a lovely house, and his wife is Denise Richards, who has uh, uh, upwards of one line, maybe two. I mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know. Her Denise Richards, you could say her plot, her her role does not really justify her face being on the poster, oh, as yes. it is. I was am- I was amazed and surprised at how little Denise Richards there is, and there's part of me that wonders if mm-hmm. Denise Richards they were just at her house and she didn't really <laughs> know that they were shooting a movie. <laughs> that it, that certainly is possible. They do it. It does kind of beg the question: like this is this is a whole like also a like a one last job for our heroes. Uh, which I guess, may, like, he's got a pretty nice house, right? Like, it doesn't feel like he's that desperate. I guess his desperation is that... No, no, but he's in that, debt. His desperation is that people are going to kill him? 
Yes, he's he has something like forty million dollars in debt or something like that, or I, I don't know exactly how much it was, but it's uh-huh. a lot of debt. I mean, and I guess so that's, that's the thing. Like sometimes people like the the money that they show is not necessarily the money they have. I mean, sometimes people oh, yeah. are super in debt, but they have a nice, you know, et cetera. Um, it's one of those houses where it's a really nice house, but they've only got like two or three rooms with furniture in it. Mm-hmm. Like the rest are all empty because they oh, really can't yeah. afford that house. Now, I, doing some research, I saw the producer of this movie, as uh, Richard Switzer, he had worked with Denise Richards before, which makes me think that he was calling in a favor from an old buddy, possibly. Uh, but I also learned that in 2016, he produced uh, a movie called Arlo the Burping Pig, which was another Joey Lawrence uh, vehicle. <laughs> so, so if anyone has any information about Arlo the Burping Pig, yeah. starring Joey Lawrence uh, and uh, Drake Bell, it says... Uh, it sounds like it's a family film, but who knows? Maybe it's a taut thriller. Let is, me know. Is Drake Bell the animated dinosaur voiced by Lake Bell? <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> yes, I, I went exactly the other right, direction. Yeah. I was like, in my head, I'm like, is Drake Bell a duck played by Lake Bell? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's, know. You know, that's the difference between you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dinosaurs and ducks. <laughs> so obviously... <laughs> that's, that's, yep, that's the, that's the old... <laughs> <laughs> the old the old album dinosaurs and ducks just a hot rocking album yeah yeah uh so our team obviously has to do the job they talk a little bit through it uh trey is going to go on board with jack even though it seems a little weird because he seems more of a tech support guy but they need him to hack that mainframe yeah. isabella's going to sneak on they already got her a uh, job as a flight attendant which seems <laughs> kind of easy that they were able to do uh they talk about the plan which Basically, the plan they talk about is exactly what's going to happen. It's kind of like the opening painting in the movie Midsummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you I've, pay attention to it, problems. you're not going to be surprised. Yeah, a couple of problems with this plan. Uh, number one is the thing that Stuart said, which is that traditionally in a heist movie, they lay out the plan in great detail, and then the suspense comes when the small things start going wrong and they have to improvise. That is a that is a very traditional heist, uh, 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 you know, model. And again, as Stuart said, it all goes down as he says. But number two, the plan seems to uh, essentially just be: we'll create a distraction. Everyone sneaks to the place where they need to be and does their thing, and then heist over. <laughs> well, there's certain things about the the plot that plan that i mean and we should talk about how easy it is for them to get uh isabella a job as a flight attendant even though no none of the they don't know her none of the other flight attendants know her and it's not even like she's taking the place of a sick flight attendant she just boards like a passenger and just well, is wearing a flight attendant uniform but also but we should mention that uh, a big part of the plot is is uh jack having to knock out the pilots and take control of the plane I'm still not sure why they needed to do that yeah i mean well i think it's i a, think i th- they're in international airspace. I think it's to take them back to where they can parachute out. That's the only thing I can think of. It's but, a, but it seems weird for the for the leader of the heist and a guy who's super tough, like a real yeah. brawler, for him to just sequester himself in the cockpit for most of the plot. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, <laughs> not really being involved in the heist. Narratively, it makes no sense. <laughs> uh, by the way, I also want to go back to what you said about um, her coming on just as a passenger, although dressed as a flight attendant. There's, you know, like there's the traditional thing at the door where they're like, I'm sorry, I'm afraid you're going to have to leave your weapons here. And she takes out two guns. And I'm like, so isn't it weird that the flight attendant was going to come on the <laughs> money plane with two guns? Yeah, that, that onboarding area uh, it basically looks like the entrance to fucking True Dungeon where they're putting all their weapons in like a giant 
like treasure chest. (laughs) And there's that like kind of thing where all the walls are made with just like draped curtains. Yes. Yeah. I think that's why, honestly, a lot of like low budget movies are set on planes because you can do so much just by putting a curtain somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And now Jack, Jack goes on and uh, what's Trey's uh, uh, nom de plume that he's going under? Uh, to get onto this, Mr. McGillicuddy, of course. <laughs> no first name given, so, just Mr. McGillicuddy. So fucking funny. <laughs> That's the thing. If you are writing a serious action movie, you need to put in jokes like Mr. McGillicuddy. <laughs> and they, everyone refers to him as Mr. McGillicuddy constantly. And the deadest of deadpan looks. And he never seems to remember that that's his name. Yep. Uh, but. No, it it's is, so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. Um, so before before we get there, we got to say that, you know, Jack's got a little insurance policy on the ground. And I think that's one of the best insurance policies, certainly the one that I would invest my money in. That's right. Thomas Jane. Tom Jane mm-hmm. shows up at his house. Uh, I guess they have some kind of a history together, former special forces or something. Uh, By the way, Tom Jane is sneaking into the house with his gun drawn, and <laughs> yeah. uh, the wrestler comes down with his gun drawn too, and 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 like he, the, our lead is like, "Shit, I almost shot you," and he's like, "I almost shot you." I'm like, "Well, Tom Jane, you're the one coming into your friend's house in the yeah. middle of the night. Why do you have your gun drawn?" It is yeah. a scene designed to create suspense in uh-huh. the viewer, but it yeah. is dumb suspense because you're you're like, "Who's breaking into his house?" Uh oh, uh-huh. oh, it's his old friend yeah. who was supposed to be there. Uh-huh. So. So why didn't you just go to the front door and be like, hey, I'm here? His yeah. old friend, who I assume was going to betray him, because yeah. it's, you know, Thomas Jane, he's, he's an old friend of the, the lead. But, you know, he's, you know, we find out he's true blue. I, so. I also love the idea that Tom Jane would show up and he's like, mm, just, just keeping you honest, just keeping your skills sharp. <laughs> uh, so they sit down and Tom Jane smokes a pipe and he, uh, you know, like <laughs> you, you expect him to do. And he basically just shows up so he can explain to uh, our hero uh, that our hero is cool and tough and has a long history and owes people money, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, it's literally a conversation of two people saying back and forth things that they already know about yeah. one another. Yeah. yeah, and that we already know yeah. a lot of it. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what happens when I go over to see Dan at Dan's house. Uh, you know, it's been a while, obviously, due to <laughs> due to social distancing. But a lot of it's just yeah. us sitting out on the porch and me just telling Dan Dan stuff. It's yeah, cool. I'm like I'm like to Stuart. I'm like, as you know, you own a bar, so you're intimately familiar with. The like that's true. Of taverns. You're super observant. That's how you were able to notice that. Um, so uh, we we you know we're aboard the money plane. Uh, they get. Uh, our, our heroes oh, are. I think we should. I, th- I think we should mention. I'm, I'm sure this is kind of. It's to take for granted. Jack is an amazing dad and father. Yeah. His family loves him. Thomas Jane is there to watch his family while he's heisting this money playing. Uh, and Jack as, also has a has a gambling problem, right? That yes, he. Yeah. Uh, that's that was part of why he has a big debt is that he had a he had a gambling problem, which obviously degenerate gamblers, et cetera, et cetera. And and that makes robbing a casino a real issue for him in theory, because uh-huh. in practice it doesn't seem to. It be. doesn't matter at all. Um, yeah. So they they get aboard the money plane. Uh, they're walking around the money plane lounge. You know it's nice because it's got a lava lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a collection of real rogues on there. You have some uh, arms dealers. You have I'm I, I don't know what this woman's job is, but she mentions that she used to chop off people's arms. Uh, she is she is uh, 
she is not white, and she is mysterious, and that's all we need to know to know that she's evil. Yeah. She's some kind of evil crime boss from another, from a, either a distant land or some part of America that uh, that Trump has not fixed yet. Yeah. And it's a real. Uh, it's, well, it's a real. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a problematic. It's the the one super problematic thing yeah. I feel like in the movie, I, other I, than the disparaging of of uh, crocodile human love. Uh-huh. Which now, hey, you know what? As long as no one's getting hurt, you will get hurt. A crocodile will eat you. But otherwise, as long as no one's getting hurt, go if the crocodile's into it. Go ahead. That's what I now, say. Now I want. I'd like to go into. Um, you know, I've just I've got some problems with the the business of the money plane. Sure. I think that this is the time <laughs> where. It's best to get into it because the money plane, obviously, it um, it offers two types of uh, betting. It has your uh-huh. traditional casino games, only uh-huh. with you know less oversight. Like I assume uh-huh. there's you know you can it's it's a high stakes in a way that even beyond what a casino might allow. And this whatever. is this is all explained by Joey Lawrence, who plays the role of the concierge, who has a yes. strange kind of bowl cut. Uh, yeah, and then on. there's a bunch of like hostile, hostile two style like people getting like murdered or whatever that you can bet on that Bloodsport, shit too. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. I like I feel like the movie needs to uh, commit to one or the other because mm-hmm. uh, a high stakes casino in the air to avoid like uh, oversight yep. that I can almost buy as a dumb action premise. Uh-huh. But but as you say, Elliot, like if they're already like killing people on the ground, I don't think they would bother with this whole plane business. They would just get like a warehouse somewhere and have a casino where they bet on it. Especially like we see this big like money plane terminal when they're taking off, it's and I'm true. like, yeah. how is yep. that funded? Like, it <laughs> I yeah. think that like it the is a very sports... openly well branded secret yeah. high stakes uh-huh. air casino. I mean, yeah, their their iPads all have like a little bug that says money plane <laughs> on when they, it. W- when they're watching the blood sports, there's money plane branding in the background, <laughs> yeah. in the ter- in the arenas too. So there's all that. Like, I really think that the only reason they added the blood sports to the movie is to justify our heroes going around murdering all of these people which uh-huh. you know like we've already seen them shooting at security guards so if we're gonna buy into these as like people we care about i think that ship has already sailed but i mean anyway. the only the only way it could be dumber and less sensical is if it was a prison on a plane that they had to break into and break shit. Somewhere, which i think Elliot. is Elliot. there a movie where they do that elliot i don't know if Sky there's a movie jail. where they do that but i was actually there's one time I was, I was like pondering a writing, a, a, writing a parody uh, screenplay. The idea was that it was a jail on a plane that never like landed. They just kept refueling <laughs> it in the air. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So, but, uh, the other, but Dan, I think you're forgetting the main the main selling point of Money Plane, which is yeah, yeah. You love to gamble. They also have fine food, fine dining, and drinks. They uh-huh. have a lot. I think it's an open bar, which I know you're big on, Dan, because mm-hmm. if you go to a wedding that's not an open bar, you hold on to that <laughs> resentment for years until it it warps yeah. your, kind of your soul around this this win mm-hmm. of yeah. just being mad at this op- non open <laughs> bar. Then I yeah. find myself betting on blood sports just to get yeah. an open bar. Yeah. But it it has blood sports. It's got regular gambling, which yes, uh-huh. you can do anywhere. Yep. Don't forget, there's also a grand suite. You can take uh-huh. one of the very, you know, kind of low energy prostitutes for on board too. <laughs> wow! And, wow! Nice critique, dude. And, you have, you have and a, what? A performance and all, review. But this is what you're gonna do. And all. And I'm just saying, half of the job is showmanship. But and 
all of these <laughs> <Wow>. super <laughs> and all of these super wealthy bad guys get to share that one suite. Yeah. So, so, and I don't yeah. know what the turndown service is like. I don't know how often they're changing the sheets. But yes, you too can have sex on the sweat stains left over from another criminal uh-huh. having sex in that yeah. same room. And I think that's one of the real draws is the closeness you get when you're sharing a grand suite with all these other people that you can barely stand <laughs> in guess the lobby. What's nice, guess- is, what's nice is that it, just hearing Elliot describe that implies that Elliot sweats a lot while he makes love. And I'm glad that I know that about my friend. <laughs> I mean, if I, you don't, you're not doing it right. No, wow. Right? Cool. Not, yeah, I mean, wow. what are you holding back because it's the matinee? <laughs> Give your all. Give me the full performance. Come on. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good point, Elliot. Thank you. Yeah, Leave uh, it all on the field. You know what? You're waiting for the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, 110%. <laughs> oh, nothing I was going to say is better than that, so let's move on. <laughs> okay, so uh, as I said, Joey Lawrence comes out. He explains all the rules. Uh an actor who I think was on an episode of The Sopranos or something shows up and he's uh, like, he's like the rule master and he's like, riddle me this, fellows. Uh, and he's got an <laughs> iPad that has all the bets on it. Um, That'd be great if there's a Batman villain called the rule master who's obsessed with rules and he follows all of them, never commits any crimes. And so he's always like, you'll never take me, Batman. And Jaime's like, I have no reason what if, to. What if he's you, Batman's you, villain because he? what he does is he keeps getting Batman convicted of crimes because yeah. Batman isn't following the rules. Yeah, yeah that's the he's the ultimate bat- villain for Batman, the rule master. He's like, hmm, rule me this, Batman. You aren't licensed to beat up those, those mental patients that escaped. I'm Bringing, I'm bringing you under citizen's arrest. And and he's like, Commissioner Gordon, you can't let him citizen's arrest me. And Commissioner Gordon's like, eh, well, I've been letting you just citizen's arrest criminals for years. So I think I just, so I'm not a hypocrite. I think he's got I us, go Batman. It. Uh, it's been nice I was working with to, you. I was talking to somebody recently uh, whose child was very into Batman, and they had an issue with it. And I could totally understand that since Batman is essentially. Any issue with a comic book? Yeah, yeah, well, I had had, had a problem with, found, had a problem with Batman. I was okay. like, yeah, well, I mean. Uh, on its face, Batman is someone using violence to deal with serious mental health issues. Yeah, I get it. That's well, a problem. Well, and also a billionaire. Like, that was my problem. I, 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 just for, like, cheap kicks, I tried watching that Six Underground movie on Netflix, knowing that I was not going to like it. But, like, the premise of that is, like, Ryan Reynolds is a billionaire, and he gets, like, like and because he's a billionaire, he assembles this team to, like, uh, meet out justice around the world and I'm like oh okay so you're a private citizen like toppling regimes yeah. and you're the hero of our movie <laughs> yeah anyway so anyway so we know so, so I think so I think we've established why the money plane is where you should take your next vacation uh-huh. when the pandemic is over so we get this action started we have uh, we have a game of pretty traditional Texas Hold'em uh, where we you know a bunch of people are playing cards Jack sits down he talks a little shit with this uh, evil guy who's an arms dealer uh, and we find out that Jack's cover is a dead human trafficker which is weird um, and it are feels... you going to mention Matthew Lawrence's role as the cowboy? He does. Matthew, he, I guess he shows up during the game, right? Matthew Lawrence yeah. shows up playing a like a Texas cowboy guy. Of course, Texas Hold'em. Of course, he's there to play, uh, and he plays this. Let's say he plays this character fairly broadly. Yeah, <laughs> and he plays it with like a mustache he got from like a Ricky's. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. No costume budget too small. Um, so they, uh, yeah, they play this game at Texas Hold'em. It kind of feels like this scene was shot and edited by somebody who has heard of Texas Hold'em. 
Uh, but ne- like, and they, they, you know, they shoot the whole thing with like a pulsing synth soundtrack. And you're like, I guess this is supposed to be exciting. I don't quite know what's going on. Like they don't really indicate what's happening until one person wins. After one round of poker, Jack has had too much. He uh, he transfers all his funds to his associate, Mr. McGillicuddy, who's actually Trey. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Trey is going to play for him. Uh, Trey plays and, of course, wins a whole bunch of money. Uh, and everybody's starting to think, this Mr. McGillicuddy is more than what he seems. Although, although they don't actually, I mean, they just think he's really lucky or something. We'll get to that yes. later. He, he has an amazing run of luck throughout the movie, and everyone just takes it at face value. <laughs> yeah. From this point on, Jack... Which, which to be honest, it is. Yeah. Like, he, he's not rigging yeah. any of these games, so, like, he no. is just incredibly... He's wasting his luck on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he should be a long shot. Um, so, Jack and... At this point, Jack and Isabella both slip away, and nobody really wonders where they go, and they have no no one is watching them anymore. They <laughs> their distraction has worked. They can now operate with impunity. <laughs> and what was the distraction? <laughs> I guess the, the distraction, distraction was uh, he lost a game of poker. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I would have been very distracted by yeah. that. Someone I didn't know lost a game of poker. I think what they did was they had uh, we they, all would they be. left we their all goofy friend Mr. with a funny name Mr. McG- <laughs> once again hilarious. They leave Mr. McGillicuddy there and everybody's so taken with him <laughs> that they don't pay attention to his uh, his beefier uh, companion. So uh, Isabella sneaks away. She finds a secret stash and then a cre- the one of the creepy arms dealer guys starts to stalk her and they talk shit. Uh Trey, under the guise of Mr. McGillicuddy, is forced into playing a game of Russian roulette with Matthew Lawrence. Now, here's something where they they really never explain to her what the game is that he's about to what the game. They never explain what the game is that he's about to play, and uh-huh. I feel like that is uh, not a casino not doing its job properly. Yeah. If they're like, hey, you want to bet on a game? Yeah, sure, I love games. Okay, everybody get ready. You ready to bet? Sure. How much are you going to bet? This much, I guess? Okay, here it is. It's Russian Roulette. He's like, can I leave? No, you can't do that. (laughs) The the thing about Russian Roulette being the game is that feels like counter to everything that casinos are built on. (laughs) Like, casinos casinos are like... We need to keep you betting it at the table as long as possible. Fuck, you can smoke. You can do whatever the fuck. You want free booze? Here's the free booze. Just keep betting. We need you to do that. And I feel like the idea of like, no, just just die seems wrong. <laughs> like, you can't bet if you're a ghost. Or can you? <laughs> I wish uh, listeners could see the way Stuart put his fingers to his chin and <laughs> looked off into the mm. distance. Mm, so was, some sort of ghost casino is what you're uh-huh. what you're conjuring right now. Yep, that's what I was conjuring with I my necromancy. I think it's a better business model than a than a money plot. But um, <laughs> harsh words. Uh, yeah. but we'll, we'll check the box office when I write my screenplay for Ghost Casino. Um, okay, so uh, Jack and Isabella uh, beat up the pilots. Jack fights one of the pilots for an extraordinarily long time, and then he takes the stick. Uh, but from, isn't yeah, go on. Doesn't he like get like? Then there's the the co-pilot. Is yeah, that it's, there it's, or later? No, no, no so they knock out the first take, pilot with a single the, punch. The first pilot gets knocked out quick, and then he has to fight the co-pilot for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, and he does this thing where he's like, oh yeah, the co-pilot. I'm like, 
What kind of heist <laughs> leader are you if you didn't think that a plane had a co-pilot? Yeah. Well, and uh, and uh, Joey Lawrence says multiple times throughout, we hire the best pilots in the world. Yeah, plural. And I kept thinking that they were going to like set up that there's going to be some sort of emergency and he's going to have to suddenly do some fancy flying. And Joey Lawrence will be like, this isn't best piloting in the world, but it well, never not, is an issue. He not only says that, but he also specifies that he used to be one of the pilots. So you're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. this has yeah. got to matter, right? He's <laughs> like i hired them all because i am a pilot yeah it's yeah. like like all right like you would think he'd be like i can i can tell from the way the plane's moving we're leaving international airspace but no, i, mean, I wonder happen. if that's i wonder if that's just there so that people don't ask the question hey when the good guys parachute out and leave no pilots flying the plane uh, yeah uh, is everyone on board gonna die yeah. that you just know joey lawrence that's can go in and take question. over or the yeah. idea that they're like I think it's important that you establish uh, the, the the corporate structure of the money plane and how one can advance within that corporate structure. <laughs> He's like, in case anyone is wondering, this is not the kind of company where you are pigeonholed. I was a pilot, one of the best in the world, yes, but I wanted more. I needed the I, the actual flying wasn't really interesting to me. I wanted to get into management, uh-huh. and money plane provided me with the opportunities: management training, mm-hmm. a fast track. Yep. And you know, yes, was it a little bit that I got along with the bosses? I'm sure. Did I have some advantages in being, let's face it, brothers uh, with cis, the hetero, writer. white man, and also brothers with a script writer and director? <laughs> yes. But in the end, Money Plane gave me, this is the, this is a recruitment video for Money Plane. Uh, I mean, they like show that, at colleges to get people to apply for jobs like, at Money Plane. Maybe even you two, your, your, even your career can blossom. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh. Then he puts on sunglasses. Uh, I was just gonna say that's the uh, that's the ironic ironic thing about Money Plane is they they kill all these people, but it is a really you know sort of forward thinking uh, workers first environment. You know, like yeah. it's a good company, yeah. an ethical company. Otherwise, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I mean it's 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 an employee owned company. We have to assume since we oh. never see anybody else who's involved with it at all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, which makes it even stranger that they would just let a flight attendant on that they've never met before and <laughs> <laughs> so they <laughs> just be uh, part of the staff that day. So after beating up the pilots and stuffing them in a toilet... Uh, Wait, unless uh, unless they think it's an undercover boss scenario and they're like, we've never seen the mysterious owner, J.R. Moneyplane. <laughs> mm-hmm. Perhaps this flight attendant we've never met is, is the boss in disguise as a flight attendant to see how we do. Everybody, extra good today. Be on your toes. That might be our boss that you're working with. That could be what's, what's going on. I mean, I can only assume they expected Matthew Lawrence's character to be the undercover boss because that's like an undercover boss level <laughs> costume he's wearing. <laughs> his, his, uh, his droopy fake uh, mustache and his uh-huh. big cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah. Is, is like Yosemite Sam cosplay. I think they probably knew it was not an undercover boss scenario when he killed himself. That's, mm. well, I mean, a real undercover boss is going to take it to the next level. Yeah, uh, did we, we didn't get to the, yeah, we didn't get to the roulette. What what happened, I guess. Oh, yeah, at the end of Russian roulette, uh, there's a, what, did, we didn't talk about, there's a big argument about who's going to shoot first, and Mr. McGillicuddy is really hemming and hawing and stalling. Wow, and, and you're uh, like, oh, man, shitter, get off the pot, guy. <laughs> Yeah, and that's basically what the cowboy says, and he says, fine, I'll do it, and with the first hit, uh, takes his own life uh, in this game. And uh, honestly, which... this was this was, this was was kind of a funny scene, them just pushing the, the gun back and forth, and yeah. him finally getting impatient and blowing his brains out right away. And, and, and in so much as I liked uh, any of Money playing, like, sort of genuinely rather than ironically, I kind of did appreciate the McGillicuddy uh, storyline, which is... Just, you know, escalating horrifying blood sports that he keeps winning money on and him yeah. being super uncomfortable with that. 
I would have loved if that was if they made more of an effort to like play that whole the humor angle of yeah. that up, but they did not. No. Um, so uh, Jack takes over control. He sets up his little uh, his little laptop, uh, and he's talking with his team over earpieces, which is pretty funny because like they're all on a plane together, and they're all like pretty clearly talking <laughs> into an earpiece. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> seems to care. Um, and then he gives his old pal the Rumble a uh, FaceTime call. They talk some shit. Uh, it's great. You know, uh, there's a, there's a there's a thing where he's like, we need code names. We shouldn't call each other by our names. And for some reason, this guy who calls himself the Rumble does not take the Rumble as his code name. <laughs> yeah, you know, if somebody Googled the Rumble, they'd find him. So he had to come up with a different name, the Colonel. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, Trey gets pulled into betting into more of these blood sports. There's like a man versus a cobra. A guy chops off a guy's arm. I don't quite know what the bet was there. Maybe how long he's going to take him to do it. Uh, that was the that was the weird thing was it was almost like which one of them is gonna crack first and chop off the other one's arm, uh-huh. but it yes. doesn't. Yeah, I couldn't tell. And when he after he does it, he looks at the camera like, "Yeah, I did it. Okay." Like it's I, it's very hard to tell what the event is. I wonder yeah, if he life. is getting paid or offered money, and they're seeing how much money it'll take him to crack and oh, chop yeah, off to, his friend's arm. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Possibly, maybe, yeah. There's piranhas eating a guy, all kinds of stuff. And McGillicuddy, uh, he just can't stop winning. He wins everything. And people are starting to get a little bit annoyed by this. Yeah. Um, Specifically that arms dealer that the, we met The before. arms dealer who uh, already has an antagonistic relationship with our heroes. Um, okay, so uh, Isabella and gets... And the arms... Wait, I, sh- I, w- I would like to mention, sorry, a, a no, special fair. mention to the, the arms dealer's best friend. Uh-huh. Uh, a guy who is, I guess, supposed to be like his muscle thug, uh-huh. but he looks like somebody's kind of deadbeat uncle from Miami. Yep. Who is just like coming up to visit for a family reunion and everybody's like, okay, all right, okay. Gary's here. He seems okay. Everybody, just like let's be on our. Let's just hope Gary doesn't make a big scene. Who do you bring with him? Okay, yeah, it's the lady from the rental car place. Okay, he wanted to make it seem like he has a relationship in his mm-hmm. life, so he just picked up the lady <laughs> yeah. from the rental car place and brought her here. Uh, okay, uh, is he staying somewhere? He's staying in the car. Oh, okay. Well, that's all right. Well, Makes that's Gary. Sense. I mean, that's making the most out of his time. But this guy just looks like a total sleazy loser. And he, but I think he's and supposed he seems to be like very eager for violence to break out. Like, he seems like he's really aggressive. But when he actually has to start fighting, well, it doesn't look like he's ever fought before in his life. <laughs> uh, cool. So uh, It's almost like you kind of are waiting for the twist where it turns out that this arms dealer and his friend are also two guys who tricked their way onto the money plane. And they thought it would be a cool bachelor party story, but they're way in over their heads, you know? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a great side, uh, side And then story. it turns out all the other criminals were also people who got there under false pretenses, and the concierge is like, is anyone actually here for the money plane? Yep. Guys, is there, I, are there any that's genuine a very money tales plane from the criminals? Most money plane. Guys, I just <laughs> figured out a way I think that this movie would work better, and, uh, and um, I think it's because they're so close to being there already. Like, these... These uh, these heisters like come off as like a real goof, group of like goofballs, kind of unprepared goofballs, and I think it'd be much fun, like more fun to watch like a heist movie where it's like the underdogs do a heist, <laughs> like the underdogs have to do this money plane heist. So it's like Animal House meets Money Plane. <laughs> yeah, but without all the all the, the gross shit stuff. Yeah, 
yeah. or like or like the big green meets money plane, like they're kids, yeah. like they're the yeah, underdog, exactly. or little like giants, little giants beats meets money plane, Sandlot exactly. meets money plane, the Sandlot yeah. meets money plane, or yeah, or like uh, Five Goes West meets money mm-hmm. plane. Perfect. You know, yeah. who, nobody expects these cartoon mice to be able to pull off a ice cream in the money plane. I wouldn't count yeah. them out. It's like finding Nemo meets money plane. Like Nemo's <laughs> got to get into the fish tank on the plane. But once yeah. there, how's he going to get out of the tank and steal all that cryptocurrency? Billion dollars in <laughs> cryptocurrency, you know? So uh, while she's wandering around looking for the mainframe, Isabella gets surprised by some kind of hired goon. Uh, she uh, gets some Southern rock put on the playlist, and then she beats <laughs> up the goon and rips off his ears and tosses his body in the, in the toilet again. <laughs> she, I mean, like, she tells... Uh, the, like the the main guy to jam all the frequencies because she doesn't want like this guy to alert uh, any of the other security and I guess that the way to jam the frequencies is to put the southern rock on well and also she's going to use it to take advantage for the most half-hearted I'm going to try to seduce the thug yeah. moment before she decides you know what forget it and rips his ears off of his head yep, rips them right off and then puts them in the toilet with, with the pilots so <laughs> Uh, so we find out from Tom Jane who gives them a phone call. And once again, I got to say the reception on the money plane is fucking incredible. It's amazing. Every, it is crystal clear. The images are super clear. Uh, they never have a drop moment. There's the, no the lag. It's so much, amazing. It's so much better than the reception in my own house, which is on the ground. Yeah. Well, you're this not is, a money plane. I'm not, I'm not on a, I'm not in a money house or an air house. Uh-huh. My house is not yep. an international air. It is very much your in house Los Angeles County. Pit? Yep. Uh, all the houses are Dan. They're all money pits. Yeah. All, mine literally, because mine is a pit that I live in with all my money, and I'm like a <laughs> troll, and it's just skulls <laughs> and bones of people who tried to steal my riches from me. And I, or even just people who have walked by the pit, and I'll just reach out and pull them in, and then mm-hmm. eat them because I'm a money pit troll. Oh, that's cool. Do you do you ever like <laughs> dig into the ground and pull out little urukais, and those urukais are like, oh man, flesh, and you're like, not yet. Chill out, dude. It's not dinner time. Uh, do I have children? Yes, so I am a dad, and that say, is how yeah. I made them. Was I dug into the ground to make my 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 orc, orc children? Yep. Yeah, sure. Uh, cool. So, and, and, and I say, ah, oh, meats on the menu, and they're like, "What's a menu?" And I'm like, "No, uh, no, it's okay. It's the 21st century. You know what a menu uh, is." Yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to bring that up. It's kind of well worn territory. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, I wish I wish in Lord of the Rings they'd gone. Ah, oh, looks like meats back at the drive-through. <laughs> they'd be like, "Wait, so hold on." Yeah, yeah. The special edition makes it even weirder. <laughs> it keeps doubling down like, on anachronisms. Looks like we'll be having meat at this Benihana, and they'll cook it tableside. Uh-huh. So Benihana exists in the Lord of the Rings universe. Okay, I mean it's... I'm glad for them. I guess things are moving up in the circle of Orthanc. <laughs> uh, cool. So Tom Jane uh, reveals to our hero that they were actually double crossed, and they were double crossed by the Rumble. That was his painting all along, and he just moved it. And they're like, "Well, we don't want to get double crossed again." Uh, yeah, so I, also, was... I don't like that this painting wasn't a Monet, so it could also be a, a Monet plane. Oh, I think they that left would have been great. Oh, behind that one. Yeah. Wow, they left a lot of Monet on the table at that <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, and then they also would have Billy Idol on the plane performing Monet Monet. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So the evil arms dealer <laughs> and his goon use this moment to pounce. Trey is working on the. Uh, they have found the the what the hard drive whatever. They're downloading the cryptocurrency, uh, and the uh, the arms dealer and his goon attack Trey and Isabella at this point. Um, 
Isabella manages to totally annihilate this goon who's never fought before. <laughs> Did she stab him in the head with a bottle? Yeah, it's like, it's so f- simple. It's like, what, whatever, man. And then she... That's one of those things, though, that, like, you sh- she should not be able to do that. Like, the human skull is so much harder than, than bottle glass. Like, I don't... It must be hurricane force that she is shoving that bottle through the top of yep. his skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was her wrestling name, was Hurricane Force. Uh, that was, I wish that was she was on a wrestling team, a tag team. Yeah. I, I wish that she they had gone goofier with it and she had ripped his mustache off, uh-huh. but they didn't go that far. So then uh, she finds Ivan is the arms dealer and he has been beating up Trey. So she kicks him into a computer and he is immediately electrocuted to death. Now, there are a lot of issues with this that I just want to mention. One uh-huh. is that's not how computers work. Uh-huh. And also it'd probably break the computer. But uh, I, More likely but I really to break liked... it than to break him in this case. Yes. and I, But I really enjoyed the moment because it gave me this moment of being like, wait, hold on. What? Yeah, he like fell into a computer and it was it electrocuted like a bad guy in a like a mm-hmm. like a monster movie yeah. or something. I like mean, that? I'm assuming his consciousness was immediately uploaded into the computer, and now he's flying the money plane. That's possible. Now, according to Wikipedia, the character's last name is Voltaic, mm-hmm. so maybe she has power over electricity, and it's just something they didn't that get to makes in the movie. Sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so uh, meanwhile, uh, on the ground. Izzy, the last member of the team, has been kicking back, just goofing off, you know, having a good time, cracking some brews out in the desert, just waiting for the money plane to get close enough so that he can download the cryptocurrency. Uh, but before that can happen, he gets double-crossed by uh, a kill team sent by the Rumble, I'm assuming. Uh, and there's a little bit of a gunfight. It looks like he's screwed. And then Plan B rolls around. That's right. Tom Jane is piloting a tiny little drone with a video game <laughs> controller, and the drone has a pistol taped to it, and he just starts murdering <laughs> these dudes with a pistol. Which, I gotta say, now that I've seen it in action, I do not support drone warfare. Yeah, because it's really know. boring. Yeah. It's I very feel like, boring. I feel like killing Izzy at this point is a bad double-cross move. Mm-hmm. Like, particularly if he's kind of in the midst of uh, the thing. Like, you know, kill him well, after so you know that all of it's been downloaded. These people who are going after Izzy, are they the Rumbles people or are they the Money Planes people? Because we later see a, a team that the Money Planes sends out, and they seem to be the same people. I think that's a limitation of the budget. Okay, mm. that's possible. Uh, uh, here's the thing I, I, I'm not getting from uh, Kelsey Grammer's character. It feels to me like either one... He is throwing obstacles into their paths to force them to become the best that they can be as mm. kind of like almost a Mr. Miyagi type mentor who uh-huh. is like, hey, I'm going to make this difficult for you so that you get to the next stage. Like a good teacher yeah. who ju- challenges you, doesn't just accept your first efforts. Mm-hmm. Or I'm thinking maybe he's got an issue about success himself yeah. and doesn't want to be successful. And so he keeps throwing obstacles in his own path because he's afraid of success. Or maybe... He just doesn't want to rob that money plane that badly. I know. I mean, I'm kind of like that. Like, sometimes in moments of extreme pressure, I have a tendency to self-sabotage, you know, where, like, I'll just, uh, I'll get distracted by something that's completely not important, and I'll allow that to derail whatever I'm working on. And you know what? I feel like there's a little bit of the rumble in me, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of rumble in all of us. That's what we learned in the very rumble Christmas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Especially, you know, after I uh, have a big meal, I got a lot of rumble. Yeah. 
So after after oh, the Rumble's boy, kill Dan, team is wow. dispatched, uh, the Rumble decides time to clean Dan, up this Dan, save mess. it for your tweets. Save it for your Twitter feed, Dan. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry. I was I was uh, summarizing the plot. Did uh, Dan oh, talk about okay. having to take a shit or something? What's going on? <laughs> it was it was heavily implied. Heavily implied some sort of bowel movement or flatulence. You know, it could just be a, ga- a gas thing. Like it's yeah. not. No, I guess you're right. It could just be the toots. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Kelsey Grammer named himself after the Rumble Pack, the thing you would plug into a Nintendo 64 controller? <laughs> I can only so would, like, shake. Yeah, when Star Fox's ship got hit. Uh huh. Yep. And uh, what's what's the eagle's name? Who's the eagle that yells at him? I don't remember. Somebody's gonna uh, be probably mad at me like on the probably internet. like a Eagle Beagle or something. I don't know, think like. that's it. I think I would remember it because it rhymes. Yeah, and then maybe it's like Commander Jones. It something or it's Richard. like yeah like uh, Commander Feathers or like Skyway McGee or something. No, that seems too obvious. It's probably like Pablo. Mm, I guess I don't know that it is. Nintendo does have strange naming conventions. I Hold don't on, know. let me look it up. Hold it's probably on. Captain let me see. Falcon. And no, also baseball players have weird names these days. Falcor Computers could be. processing. Uh, oh, Elijah Wood. That's oh. the name of the eagle. Wow. In Star Fox. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he yeah. can kind of do everything. Um. So. Uh, Thomas Jane, of course, I, I use his full name now. Thomas Jane. Uh, it's so hard to it's hard to refer to him and not call him by his full name all the time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but but uh, you want to call him Tom Jane because like when you see him, you're like, oh yeah, this guy could be my buddy. Yeah. Sure. No, oh, I mean, why he's, not? He he brings he brings something very special to this movie. So he is at home making a pasta dinner, and I gotta say, not since watching Stanley Tooch make a little pasta dinner at home <laughs> have I been so hungry and thirsty. Yeah. He puts uh, carrots in it for sweetness, which I, I don't care for that. Oh, no, a, I'm into a, it. That's, uh, yeah. yeah, that's like Madame Matheson. Um, so no, no, it's not for sweetness, Dan. That's for eyesight. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's, that's to help us. And also because Bugs Bunny is coming over for dinner that night. That's something they cut out of the film. <laughs> but originally it was like, we have, we have yeah. to finish this heist in time because Bugs Bunny is coming over for dinner, and I do not want to miss this. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's true. I mean, having an animated character in your house alone, that's crazy uh so at the goons show it, up one of the most famous most talented animated characters you're right you're right at all like even if it was beaky buzzard yeah. who was barely yeah. in any cartoons or like cool cat the worst looney tunes character yeah. who's just a real Hubie, piece of Hubie shit and birdie might stop by you don't Hubie, know. If, if, even Hubie and birdie i'd be yeah. like this or is like, amazing we're like and johnny so bravo annoying. shows up and i'm like i don't really have a nostalgia for you but i'm still impressed because you're an animated character you're a cartoon yeah. denver the last dinosaur shows up and it's just like meh, 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 and you're like look you're a cartoon, so you're blowing my mind. The biker uh-huh. mice from Mars. I barely yeah. know anything about them, but they're cartoons. It's going to be weird to have them yeah. show up. No, you you're know? right. Yeah, it, it changed things. Uh, let's say it's let's say it's Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, yeah. a character that is is so so boring that Disney has never tried to bring him back in uh-huh. any form. As well, far as I, I mean, know, that, I, we all know that that was because of a, a trademark thing. You think Disney couldn't have bought the Oswald? You don't think there was a point where Disney was so rich he could have just bought that Oswald trademark well, you know, that I'm nobody re- was doing I'm anything with? A, uh, I'm reading a biography, and actually, like uh, through a lot of the old Disney studio, there was a lot of financial struggle. They were always kind of on the verge of bankruptcy, even though. We today we look at uh, many of those early movies as masterpieces. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Dan McCoy. This has been my Disney History Corner. Okay, so uh, yeah. Um, Next episode, Dan will tell us about the Black Cauldron. <laughs> but before before any animated characters show up to Tom Jane's house, uh, a bunch of goons show up, and Tom Jane murders and again, all of not them the, very quickly. Not the comic book character, the goon. Which, no. again, would be, you'd just be like, hey, it's a combo character showing up at my house. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So <laughs> they are heroes, have managed to steal all the money. They're hanging out in the, I guess, cargo hold of the plane. They decide that they're going to, you guys might, I, I got a little confused here, but I think they decide they're going to give away all the cryptocurrency to charities. And then they're just going to give away all the other money, right? It, it, they, they very quickly go, I mean, earlier, this is foreshadowed by earlier in the movie, uh, Jack is reading the story of Robin Hood to his daughter uh-huh. and tells her it's okay to steal if you're stealing from bad people and oh, is share that that, it. Is that that hardback, guilt-edged copy of Robin Hood that he yeah. keeps in his daughter's bedroom? Yes, exactly, yeah. uh-huh. exactly. Yep. It's only the best for his little girl. And they but they're very quickly are like, hey, I feel weird about taking this money. And they're like, why don't we use this money and give it to charities for victims of <laughs> human trafficking? They keep hitting human trafficking yeah. throughout the movie. And and one of the people goes, one of the other people goes, helping the people that so many of these people have hurt or something yeah. like that. And it was like, well, when did, they, they suddenly get so incredibly sincere and corny. And it's, uh, it's a strange moment. And also like they, <laughs> they, uh, they name off all of these different charities for different things. And then the guy's like, yeah. And he pushes one button and he's like, okay, did it. And I'm like, <laughs> how? <laughs> what? I think he just stole the money and told yeah, his friends maybe. that he sent it to charity. <laughs> now, yep. what, and what's Stuart? I what, sent is it, it to or, my sister, Charity. Is it Dead or Alive where, they, where they're stealing, all, where they're killing drug dealers and giving the money to charity? Dead or Alive too, where they're assassinating Dead them. And, they, uh, and that's the footage of them murdering people is intercut with footage of children in third world countries uh, celebrating and then they're <laughs> then they grow angel wings yeah and i'm not even sure that this uh final ter- robin hood turn though gets me on these people's side uh especially considering i i, th- I don't think we mentioned it there was a scene earlier on where uh the assassin woman like smashes a bottle over someone and then stabs him several times in the stomach with the jagged edges and yep. i'm like Okay, well, uh, you know, like any idea I had of these people being lovable in any way is gone now. She's probably I mean, done she, this before. Yeah. She ripped a guy's ears off. And yeah. again, that guy, he was just a security guard on the money plane, just doing his job. Yeah. There's no reason to take his ears off of his head. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to be put back on. It's not like he's made out of Legos. Yeah. You know, and and she probably just, just tossed him down on. the toilet with the rest of the pilots and stuff. Which is going <laughs> to clog the toilet on the plane, yeah. too. You're not supposed yeah. to throw garbage no. into the toilet there's on the a, plane. There's That's a sign cool. on there that says no ears. <laughs> <laughs> what if Kyle McLaughlin, like the plane got sold to like a normal <laughs> a normal company. Kyle McLaughlin's taking you know a trip. Mm-hmm. The clog comes back up. It's an ear. And he's like, not again. <laughs> Not again! I don't have the energy. That's that's a reference we all love. Or uh, okay, he, well, he, or Hugh Dancy <laughs> from Hannibal would uh, cough it up, and he's like, "Oh, I can't throw this away. I guess I'll put it in my pocket." <laughs> or what's his face from Reservoir Dogs who gets his ear cut off? It's, yeah, there's, there's a look. His- Face. There's a rich history. That's our it's tribute Van Gogh. to Van Gogh. We ear- can go back to Van Gogh. <laughs> our, tribu- our, our tribute to the removal of ears in art. Okay. <laughs> Join us, won't you? I'm glad as the we- Flophouse takes I'm- a two-hour tour of the great moments of ear removal in a human culture. Yep. Here Hi, we I'm Van Elliot- Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Elliot I Kalen from the Flophouse. I can't believe I fucked that yeah, up. Yeah, it should have been ear Van Gogh. Tape. Okay. Since ever since the noble earwig first crawled into someone's ear, ears have been both a boon and a curse for humans. We've expressed this in many different ways in many different forms. Sculpture, painting, film, and also 
the actual removal and lacquering of ears to be placed onto wooden boards to be decorated, <laughs> used as decoration in, I assume, a serial killer's house. Oh, wow. Now, uh, and I guess we'd intercut footage of famous ear mo- moments in movies, like uh, yeah. like in Star Rath Trek Two, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, join us next week when we talk about eyes. We'll talk about Unshin and Delu and uh, Event Horizon. After that, we'll talk about noses and we'll talk about Batman Returns. There'd probably uh, be that scene uh, scene from an episode of Double Dare where you have to like pull out a flag from a giant ear that's filled with something that looks like earwax. It's just, I think oh, it's yeah. a big nose full so of boogers, sexy. but maybe it's an ear. Uh, it's a good thing we've got Mark Summers on the line. Hey, Mark, <laughs> we got a question for you. On Double Dare, was it an ear or a nose? No, no, I can't patch the phone into the recording equipment, so you're just going to tell me and I'll tell them. You don't remember. Can you look it up? Oh, you have someone you can call. Okay, I'll hold. He's calling. <laughs> He's, he's got someone he's going to yeah, call yeah. to find yeah, out. Okay, I mean, well, yeah, let's keep him on there. Just oh, keep him Mark's, on the line. Mark's, we'll... Wait, guys, quiet, please. Mark's back on the line. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, Mark? Oh, they didn't know either. <laughs> well, do you have any, like, tapes that you could you could review? They're in your basement, in a box. But you're not sure which box. Okay, put us back on hold. See if, see if you can find that box. Okay, uh, so guys, he's looking in the basement now to see if he can find the box okay. that the tapes are in so I he mean, can review them. We should them. probably just, you know, like, keep him on the line and, and move Wait, on. Wait, no, 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 so. what? no, Mark's back. I really <laughs> want to get this settled. Mark? Yeah. Oh, there was, oh, the basement's flooded. There's a water damage on the boxes. Oh, and the tapes were ruined. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, and all your personal memories, too. Oh, your wedding tape. Oh, I'm so sorry yeah, to hear yeah. that. That's right. Well, are you insured? Oh, you didn't. You well, you'll have to see if it's if the water caused the damage, then it might be insured. Uh-huh. But if it's caused, if it was say some other thing that related to the water, it might be. Uh huh. Yeah, I, you should handle that. Elliot, Elliot, uh, tell him yeah, about you, kitty litter. Yeah, uh, have you tried using kitty litter to soak up the water? Yeah, tell him that. Uh, uh, he is asking what kitty litter is. You want me to tell him what kitty litter is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, expl- I mean, it's what so they're it's like, like sand that cats take shits in. It's like sand that you put in like a box for a cat to. Yeah, yeah. To go to the bathroom. He says that sounds disgusting. It's yeah, it crazy. does. I mean, yeah, it's a weird thing for people to have. Oh, oh, I'm getting another call. Hold on. Yeah. I lost the call with Mark. Who's on the Who's on the other line? Hold on. <laughs> no. Jim. Oh, hey Jim. Yeah, I was just talking to Mark. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I lost the call. His basement got flooded. I know. Terrible, right? <laughs> That's funny. I wish I could plug you into the recording device so that which, everyone at home could hear what you're saying. Which, which yeah? Jim? Not which since Jim? Bob Newhart has there been such a funny. <laughs> One-sided phone call. Oh, this is this is uh, this is um, Jim Gordon, Commissioner Jim Gordon from. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, oh, okay. Wow. Oh, the rule master's on your ta- on your case. Oh, because you've been working with an unlicensed vigilante all this time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they took good. your badge. Well, I gotta say, Jim, I warned you this would happen. Yeah. I mean, how, you're you're sending all these people to the asylum because <laughs> you couldn't make the charges we're stick we're in jail so because a man in a bat costume was arresting them. Of yeah. the... I got sympathy for him, but you know. Okay. Well, Dan's Dan's starting to get upset. Yeah, we're recording the podcast right now. Oh, Dan. Jim says hi. Okay. Hi. He said, Dan says hi back. Oh, you've never met him. You're just a big fan. Oh, yeah, He yeah. says, okay, well, anyway, uh, Jim and Stuart, he says he likes you, too. Oh, well, Jim, cool, yeah. I, should, I should finish. Oh, wait, I'm getting another call. Did he Mark's say back like or line. love? No. <laughs> Mark, uh, he, uh, I already lost him. He, he had to go deal with something. Mark, oh, yeah, I'll ask I, him I think next time. Mark, why don't you just, why don't you just find, tell me later, okay? Yeah, okay, sounds good. Okay, love you too. Bye. So, okay. guys, I'm glad uh, we, we got we, that squared away. So we got it settled. Uh, settled. Mark's basement is flooded. Oh yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> I hope he tries kitty litter. So, so, so if you have uh, any questions about Double Deer, do not go to Mark Summers because no, he does no. not remember it very so well. So the team, Jack, uh, Jack calls up uh, Darius Grouch, the Rumble, uh, and he reveals that you know, fuck it, we're double crossing you. We're we're throwing all the money away. You don't get it. Uh, and then they 
out Darius to the whole money plane uh, team, revealing that Darius has been trying to screw over the money plane. Uh, and then they jump out of a, a plane door with all the money. Um, and the people on the money plane start taking bets as to how long it's going to take Darius Grouch to die. It seems kind of like, it seems kind of weird that they just hear a recording of somebody talking shit about the money plane and they're like, I guess we got to kill him. But you know, the money plane's pretty yeah. weird. Yeah, I mean, they're not the nicest people on that money plane. That's so. true. Dan, you, Dan, you're speaking truth right there. <laughs> you, you, they are not the nicest people. <laughs> So we have footage of some uh, Tom goons Hanks driving up. Tom Hanks is not up. on that plane. <laughs> There's footage of some goons driving up and exiting a car. We're assuming mm-hmm. they're going to the Rumble's house. There's no other visual cues. Uh, the Rumble shoots his only goon that's still around. He finds out that Jack has bugged his house. And then he picks up a machine gun and shoots it off screen. And that is a, ra- a, c- a movie wrap for Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> yeah, does he have a cigar while shooting the 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 automatic rifle? Or did I just put that in my head? It's a like, tough one. I don't remember, but it I sounds correct. Yeah. Now, his, his henchman is named something like P-Roach or something like that, yeah. right? Yep. He's like, P-Roach, come on, you can't go. Mm-hmm. But... uh the I guess he's named after the famous detective Hercule P. Roach. Yeah. But uh, the there's or the something band very Papa fun- Roach. It's, yeah. I can <laughs> only assume it's short for Papa Roach. Uh, he just picks up a gun and starts firing it, and I think you're supposed to assume that the that the the Wetworks team that's taking him out has entered the house. But it could be funny if he's like, I better spray some bullets in here, and then the guys driving up will think I have a shot already. Maybe they'll hear <laughs> yeah. it, and they just won't bother to come in the house. Yeah, so they got scooped by a different team. Uh, so, uh, we assume he's dead. We don't know. We get like, what, a couple months later, Chiron on the screen. Uh, we find out that they have stolen the painting they were trying to steal in the beginning and they sold it for a whole lot of money. The end. Everybody's happy. Yippee. Wait, did we mention, Stuart, I can't remember. Did you mention that when he picks up the gun, he says rumble time? I didn't. He says, uh, he says, welcome to the original rumble pack. And then he starts shooting his gun. (laughs) Uh, cool. So that was uh, Money Plane, guys. Uh, and yeah, we get some hot, hot rock music at the end. We're all we're leaving this movie pumped. You know, we walk out of the movie theater. The sun hits our eyes, blinding us briefly. But you know what? Yeah. We're just so happy. We're on a fucking adrenaline rush. We get in our cars. We pop in some tunes into the tape deck. We're like, where's the real Money Plane? Because it seems to me like the real Money Plane was the friends he made along the way. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And we're at 125 on this recording. Jesus. Now, we messed around for maybe 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning, so we're even shorter. But, like, this is the first time we are at approximately the length of the movie we watched, which was, like, around 80 minutes or something. So uh, I don't think we fucked around at all. I feel like we were pretty much strict to the plot on this one, but, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was, I mean, maybe I spent, like, 10 seconds calling up Mark Summers to find yeah. out, uh, but I think everyone would agree that that was time well spent. And the advice I usually get from uh, professional if, podcasters is if you want to increase your listenership, just make your episodes super fucking long. <laughs> no, 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 no. Make no, them no. super if, long. If anything, I was complimenting us on not doing uh, something that is uh, longer than the oh, yeah. actual movie. I mean, the uh, episode's not done, Dan. That's true. Uh, so uh, in the interest of that, let's do final judgments. Whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Uh, I will make an admission, guys. I've actually seen, at this point, Money Plane two times. Yep. That is because uh, uh, during this pandemic, you know, a lot of people are having watch-alongs, self-isolated watch-alongs where they chat over the internet while watching a movie together. 
a bad movie uh, group of folks that I'm pals with did Money Plane. And uh, that's the movie so we I, just watched, though, right? The movie just Money watched. Plane. Okay. So I, 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 when I watched it the first time, I could barely follow what was going on because I was chatting and making jokes and having a drink and what whatnot. While it, it was not the conducive uh, atmosphere to actually following the plot. And then this second time, I actually paid attention to everything that was going on. And the second time, I thought the movie was just kind of dumb in ways that annoyed me. But the first time, I had a great time. And that's really the way you should watch a bad movie is with friends. So I'm going to say that it's probably a good movie to watch with friends, a funny movie. like And some bad movies, you know, you think they're funny because they're so totally off in like understanding what a movie is. Sometimes the great thing about it is like every decision is made wrong and you're like who thought about this and like pondering the decisions is what's fun about it. And then sometimes there's movies like Money Plane, which I think like has a dumb enough high concept premise that it could have been a Hollywood blockbuster if they threw like you know, tens of millions more dollars at it and yeah. had a seventy five percent smarter script. Mm-hmm. Or uh, add Kelsey Grammer for a second day. Yeah, so what's kind of funny about a movie like Money Plane is seeing how close it is to something that could be actual entertainment, yeah. but how they fuck it up. So uh, I, I say good-bad, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, it sounds like you're recommending the movie as a, as a good-bad watch, but even more than that, you're recommending Friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll back you up. I think that's a good-bad movie. Um, I think it. I, I also have watched it twice. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I, well, because I, I watched it. I thought we were recording a week earlier, so I watched it last week. <laughs> and then I'm like, I better, I better review this. My brain doesn't work very well, and my notes are terrible. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a dumb, dumb movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I would also call it a good bad. I feel like the one thing we didn't really get across in our descript discussion is how cheap the whole movie looks Very and how flimsy. And there's a lot of fun to be had enjoying that. It's like the first few minutes in, I was like, oh, right. I haven't seen a movie that looks this cheap in a long time yeah. and yet still has some kind of professional gloss to it. So I would also say it's a good bad movie. I mean, but don't, I mean, take my word of the grain of salt. I've only seen Money Playing once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're a newbie. That's what we call you. Yeah, yeah. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about butts. No, we don't. Nope. (laughs) Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And I was two. Butts, 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 butts. (laughs) 
Hey, I'm Jared Hill, co-host of the brand new Maximum Fun podcast, Fan Time. And I'm Travel Anderson. I'm the other more fabulous co-host. And the reason you really should be tuning in. I feel the nausea rising. To be Fan Time is to be a big fan of something, but also have some challenging or anti-feelings toward it. Kind of like Kanye. We're all fans of Kanye. He's a musical genius, but like, you know. He thinks slavery is a choice. Or like the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, I love the drama, but do I want to see black women fighting each other on screen? Ew, to the nah, to the nah, nah, nah. We're tackling all of those complex and complicated conversations about the people, places, and things that we love. Even though they may not love us back. Fanti, Maximum Fun, podcast. Ew. Stuart, I believe uh, you have our first advertisement from a sponsor this week. Yeah, so these folks are helping us keep the lights on here at the Flophouse, and these folks are Squarespace. Squarespace is a great way for you to build a beautiful website. You can turn that cool idea that you have into a website. You can turn that crazy idea that you're currently thinking of to ask us about in a minute into a website. You can sell (laughs) stuff, whatever. So uh, Squarespace does that by giving you templates by world-class designers. Uh, Things are optimized for mobile right out of the box, so you don't have to worry about dealing with, uh, you know, a website that doesn't work right when somebody's just trying to check it out on their phone. Uh, It's free and secure hosting. Uh, Just make sure that you head over to squarespace.com slash flop, F-L-O-P, for your free trial. And when you're ready to launch... Use the offer code FLOP, that's right, F-L-O-P, to save 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, Stuart, I had a question for you since you just did that Squarespace ad. Sure, yeah. Uh, I had an idea for a website, and I'm hoping Squarespace can help me with it. Uh-huh, probably. Uh, and it's called, so this is www.newnicknameornot.com. Sure. Yeah. And it's your place to go to for your help with crafting and distributing and getting people to use your new nickname. Cool, perfect. I was really inspired by this guy calling himself the Rumble, yep. which mm. feels very much like a self-given nickname that yeah. nobody else is using. He cannot get it to work. Uh-huh. Now, everyone's still calling him Darius or Grump. They're not calling him I mean, that's the not Rumble. even his last name. <laughs> uh, I mean, a Grouch, sorry. I mean, he is kind of a Grump, though. Grump would so be like the nickname version of his last name, which would be yeah, appropriate, but that's not something you can give yourself, right? Now, and uh, something that I didn't mention that he's, of course, Darius Emanuel Grouch because he's the heir to the Oscar T. Grouch fortune. <laughs> yes. um, now, uh, the, now uh, they made their money in ni- waste management, right? Yes, exactly. Wink. And now, newnicknameornot.com will help you to craft a new nickname and make sure it's the right nickname for you. The Rumble, not the right nickname for him. No. But maybe like uh, Crime Professor sure. could be, you know, or like Whiskey Johnny uh-huh. or something like that. You know, or like a Cigar Boy. Fraser Crane. You know. Yeah, or Fraser Crane. Perfect. It's a made-up <laughs> name that doesn't make any sense. And Whiskey so- Johnny sounds like like slang from the twenties. Mm-hmm. Like that, like a dad would say to uh, his daughter, being like, "I don't want you hanging around in the pub with all those Whiskey Johnnies." Uh huh. You know? That's the thing is like that's a self fulfilling prophecy at that point because then you're just yeah. you're just putting in the idea of Whiskey Johnnies in her head. Well, that's the thing, you know. Like uh, you gotta. I guess a restrictive upbringing is only going to make it seem all the sweeter. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, that's very rebellion. true. Thank you for rebellion. mentioning that. That's keep that, that really in mind. Into- Take some more parenting advice from Stuart and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, so, uh, newnicknameornot.com. It'll help you to craft that nickname that's right for you, uh-huh. and then also 
get people using it by putting your nickname in the mouths of lower level celebrities in a cameo type setting where they will leave messages on your friends answering machines and voicemail referring to you with your new nickname hey Maybe the rumble would have taken off if Steve Gutenberg had left a message on his best friend's, not Steve Gutenberg's best friend, but the rumble's best friend's answering machine referring to the grou- to friend of Grouch as the rumble. You got to listen to the goot, right? So that's newnicknameornot.com. That's the website I'm hoping to put together. Stuart, can Squarespace help me with that? Uh, let me double check. Uh, let me, uh, do I have time to call Mark Summers and ask? <laughs> I, I think you do. I think you've got nothing but time. Okay. Well, uh, I'll do that. Uh, I'll get you your answer by the end of the episode. Uh, yeah. So once again, Squarespace. Um, this, this this Flophouse podcast of ours is also sponsored by HelloFresh. Uh, it is America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or even less. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable and or already recycled content, and you can easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need. Now, I've had HelloFresh in the past... And uh, I remember being very impressed with it. And this is as a guy who, uh, as an avid cook, sometimes scoffed at the notion. But uh, it was delicious. And um, I had the low-calorie version, and it tasted non-low-calorie. I'll tell you that. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Flophouse80. Those are Mm -hmm. the numerals, not the word 80. And use code FLOPHOUSE80 to get a total of $80 off your first month, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. That's HelloFresh.com slash FLOPHOUSE80 for $80 off your first month. I thought it was FLOPHOUSE80 because I was born in 1980, but I guess not. Oh, wow. I mean, maybe it is? Oh, we'll find. I mean, I... uh... I mean, you don't, Stuart, you don't have to make me feel better, you know. It's okay. I'm, glad no, no, you, I'm glad you missed those turbulent 70s. Those two years I spent in the 70s were just... Yeah. I don't know. remember a lot. I just remember a lot of crying and earaches. So I assume that was Jimmy Carter's fault. I mean, I assume you don't remember it because you were so coked up. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Uh, so, guys, let's get out of those ads and into another ad. We've got a Jumbotron to read. Hey, guys, it's the best size of Tron, Jumbo. Stuart, would you like to do the Jumbotron intro sound? Thank you. Ever have a friend or friends insist a movie is bad that you know is great? Like, say, Mordecai, Solo, The Paperboy, Rules Don't Apply? Now there's a movie podcast for you. The World is Wrong is a very positive podcast about films the world is wrong about. Andras Jones and Brian Connolly champion films that have been misunderstood, maligned, and ignored by critics, audiences, and podcasts we love like The Flophouse. There's a place for a podcast like yours and a place for a podcast like ours. There's a place... For us, check out and subscribe to The World is Wrong Podcast, wherever fine podcasts can be found. www.theworldiswrongpodcast.com is the website. So guys, I'm very curious to find out why they think a few of those mentioned are good movies when they are not good. But hey, that's that's the intriguing. You have to listen, yeah. That's That's the the intriguing. I gotta listen. And we also have a personal Jumbotron. This is a message for Nikolai, and it comes from Mikhail, or Michael, 
It's either Michael or Mikkel. And the message is, hey, big brother, gifts are hard, and there's no way I'm going to top Trogdor the board game, but I thought it might come close if I gave you a nice podcast surprise and the thrill of hearing one of our favorite hosts say, Scotch. I love you dearly. Happy birthday. P.S. I picked the Flophouse because it reminds me of our rides to work together. Two things about that message. One, it was supposed to run before August 30th for reasons unknown to us except maybe related to the fact that the world has been falling apart and lots of things have been slipping off our minds. It clearly is after August 30th, but we're running it now, so we're sorry about that. But also, I don't know what that word you have me say was, and I'm worried about what it meant, so I will not be repeating it. But happy belated birthday, Nikolai! Uh, there's another thing, this is not a Jumbotron, that we'd like to promote. Hey guys, do you remember when we did a live over Zoom show where we talked about Howard T. Duck? I, the movie I about remember Howard it. The Duck? Uh-huh. I remember mm-hmm. that happening. Stu, do you remember that, or have you erased it from your mind, uh, Eternal Sunshine style? It's, I mean, yeah, I, I did that. What is he using that, like a laser beam? What? How does that work? Yeah, he, he puts his head into the laser that they use to scan your groceries, and uh-huh. it just takes out that part of his uh-huh. brain. <laughs> okay, that's cool, like Total Recall yeah. style, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what in Total Recall, too. He was just at the grocery store, and they erased his memory. There's a lot of things in common between Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Total Recall. Like, mm-hmm. Michael Ironside is great in both of them. <laughs> There's they both go to Mars. Yeah. yeah. So, guys, I wanted to promote, we're going to do another live show. That's right, another live over Zoom show on October 24th, just one week before Halloween. That's right, Ooh. October 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. The As Dan mentioned when we were talking about it, the perfect time to not be exactly the right time that people on either coast would want to watch a show. But, <laughs> hey, that's when we've got to do it. We didn't invent time zones. Blame the sun and the orbit of the Earth, and also the way the Earth rotates. So that's October 24th, one week before Halloween, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, it's going to be another live show. The three of us dudes just doing presentations like we would at a normal show. Uh, we'll probably have some sort of a charitable element that we are throwing uh, interest towards. And, Dan, what movie are we going to be doing? Doing? Should we announce we're, it? We, we will be uh, talking about The Exorcist 2 colon The Heretic, whatever this that is, means. I mean, I know what the movie. word heretic means, but I don't know in the terms of Exorcist 2 what it means. This is a movie none of us have seen, so it's a real grab bag. Who knows? It's a mystery yeah. box, so you know J.J. Abrams is going to tune in. That's October 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We're just going to be talking live. You'll yeah. see it'll be, you'll be, it'll be streaming through the Flophouse YouTube page. All I know about Exorcist 2 is uh, that book, The Golden Turkey Awards, that the Medved brothers wrote before uh, they became crazy conservatives, or at least one of them. I don't know what uh, happened to mm-hmm. the other guy. But uh, is that Exorcist 2 was listed as the second worst movie of all time in that book after Plan 9 from Outer Space, which was, which was that book was kind of what uh, catapulted that film to cult success at the beginning of the... Uh, the real like bad movie craze, the ironic bad movie craze. Maybe this live show will uh, give Exorcist Two: The Heretic a bump, and uh, yeah. yeah, we'll check it out. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I also want to promote one more thing. This is just for me, guys. Okay, yeah. Hey, I've got a new kids book coming out. It comes out September 29th. It's called Sharko and Hippo. Uh, the art is by Andreas Rumi, uh, who's a fantastic children's book illustrator and just artist all around, and also a children's book writer. It comes from Balzer and Bray, a division of HarperCollins. So go to the HarperCollins website and pre-order it right now if you want to, or pre-order it through your local independent bookstore. That's Sharko and Hippo coming out September 29th. It's a story of... Uh, verbal confusion between a shark and a hippo so i think you're gonna like it if you like words that rhyme and i know i do get ready for sharko and hippo 
What a sales pitch. Um, cool. So what do we do next on this podcast, Dan? Next, we take letters from listeners, and uh, we don't just take them. We read them oh. on the air. <laughs> cool. Okay, <laughs> I guess if, if you want to. This one is from Jackie, last name withheld. Collins. Jackie Brown. And Jackie writes, Hi, Peaches. I recently watched the emotional and nostalgic film A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's about a jaded writer assigned to a profile of the beloved TV host, Mr. Rogers, played by the equally beloved Tom Hanks. The plot's movie is framed using a metaphoric episode of the show where Mr. Rogers explores the writer's own emotional issues of a traumatic childhood from his absentee father and the pressures of his own new parented. It didn't really work for me. It came off more weird than rewarding. But that said, I don't blame them for trying such a narrative device. I think a full-on biopic of Fred Rogers would have been cloying. And if you're going to do a broken person reluctantly befriends a wonderful weirdo who fixes their personal life, why not dip into familiar and beloved elements to move a pretty by-the-books plot along? What's an example of a plot device that doesn't really work in film, TV, book, or whatever for you guys, but you respect it for trying? Uh, I was going to say, uh, in, the, in, in the movie Doom, I know I don't want to, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. In the movie <laughs> Doom, uh, they throw in a bit near the end of like a first person shooter moment. You know, you got to do it. You got to try. Uh, and it, you know, it didn't quite, it didn't quite work for me, partly because it, that type of shit always makes me motion sick, but I know it's an attempt to like capture the feel of a video game, but unless you're Edgar Wright, you're not going to be able to capture that feeling of a video game using a movie. So, uh, but you know, whatever, give it a go. And yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, looking at you hardcore Harry or whatever that movie is that I couldn't watch because <laughs> I knew it would make me barf. <laughs> I'll, I'll mention one where I had sort of a mixed reaction to it, which is I watched uh, Dr. Sleep a few nights ago, uh-huh. and uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, who is beloved uh, for many a uh, horror movie. And um, uh, Which ones? He did Hush. He did Gerald's Game. Like, I, I think there's other stuff. He did the good one of the Ouija movies, I think, maybe. Okay. Um, but uh, so he, he did the sequel to The Shining, and... Um, you know, The Shining is an interesting case because, uh, obviously, Stephen King hated the Kubrick movie. And uh, to the degree that he actually liked the Stephen Weber version of The Shining. Uh, and uh, and part of the reason he didn't like it was it was this, you know, adaptation of a very personal story to him about alcoholism at a time that he himself was an alcoholic. And so I think Dr. Sleep, the novel, was kind of like part of his impetus, I think, in telling that story was like telling a continuation, telling a story about someone who recovered from alcoholism. This is all sort of background to say that like Dr. Sleep feels very much like a Stephen King movie, the the version that with, with Ewan McGregor that Mike Flanagan directed. Uh, defiantly like a Stephen King movie almost, uh, whereas like The Shining feels very Kubrick. But Dr. Sleep also uses imagery directly from the movie The Shining, like sometimes actual shots from the old movie that have been cleaned up. Sometimes it's like just the same iconography. And I have mixed feelings on that because it does feel like 
this should be its own thing that 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 stands on its own but at the same time those images are so indelible and the story is linked to the shining i feel like it's kind of hard to make that movie without some of those references like that is like iconic so it, it that's a time where like i think they tried a very bold formal thing and i'm not quite sure how i feel about it yeah i mean i, I feel like audiences are kind of with you because most folks that i talk to are pretty like they either love it and that's when they that's the parts of the movie they like and for other people that's what uh what what lost them in the movie yeah uh, mine is also going to be may ruffle some feathers. I was just going to mention there's a little movie from a few years ago called Cloud Atlas, mm-hmm. where uh, like in the book it's based on, it's a lot of it's a telling a number of linked stories, and they were kind of intersecting these different stories in different spaces and times. They had the same little group of actors playing different parts in each, and it's something that yeah. I like the concept of, but it just doesn't quite work. It leads to some uh, some casting that I think would not fly. Uh, in the current climate, but also it means that like you have to have like caveman Tom Hanks of the future uh, and, <laughs> you, and and if, and a few other mo- things like that where you're like, this doesn't really this I don't see how these stories are really related. And also, I don't know why these characters are connected. Like I don't know why this actor is playing these three characters other than that they are roughly the same age as that actor. Yeah, and yeah. so, I wish that there was. It's. I really admire the the concept of we're going to tell a bunch of linked stories with the same group of actors playing different characters, but it just doesn't. It doesn't quite work. So I'm going to give them a B minus for effort. Yeah, I mean it's a. I mean it's a big swing. It's a real big swing. I largely liked that movie, but yeah, uh, I mean you know again setting aside the uh, racial problematics of having uh, some of this happen, also the stories rhyme with one another in different ways but it's not like the characters that these people are playing are like the same character in any sort of significant way so it is weird it's like something that could easily not happen and still have those sort of like stories retold through time feeling there's also in watching the movie there's no there's no story in it where i'm like oh if this story was not here the movie would be less off for it you know yeah I, I, it's just like it. It felt feels to me like a a really great concept in search of the content to fill out that concept. But I know that movie's got its got its champions, and that is totally okay. Uh, and, to, and also, and not to, and spoiler alert: my recommendation for this week also has some things that I respect for trying, but don't quite work. So we'll get to that. When oh it's wow, recommendations man! Why time. do you gotta give me such a tantalizing tease for my taste buds? Just, <laughs> it's just a tantalizing taste bud tease. Okay, well, uh, just one more letter, uh-huh. and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dive right in. Dear Peaches, I've been a listener for a few years now, and I've always loved you guys. Elliot, with your brains and songs, you are always getting me on an intellectual level. Stuart, with your original party dude attitude, mm-hmm. combined with your unabashed nerdiness, you are the people's champion. And Dan... My fine, depressed fellow, you've always been the guy I've connected with the most. Listening to your trials and tribulations over the years helped me get through some terrible times, so I've always taken your recommendations very seriously. Thank you for Stop Making Sense, a movie I'm pretty sure you made somehow. Oh, if only. So, 
When I heard on the show that you take cannabis, something you referenced a few times, but notably on the Cats episode, I figured I'd get over my previous stance and give the devil's lettuce a serious try. And unlike all the scary stories I was told in Dare, I actually felt comfortable when I was high. It has greatly improved my attitude in day-to-day life, helped me relax when my anxiety is out of control, and most importantly, helped me realize that I am, and always have been, a woman. Well, not always. I used to be a little girl. But I was never a boy, and realizing that now has changed my entire outlook on life, and in the weirdest roundabout way, your show helped me realize that. Thank you for everything you've done. I'm so happy now. Love, Ramona, formerly dead name withheld. I just thought that was a real sweet letter. No, it's a nice and letter. Thank you for for reading it's it. It's a very, you know, it just makes makes us feel good. And, you know, I like that I was able to, you know... Get somebody to help smoke so, weed. Help someone through drugs. <laughs> yeah. You know, like remotely just like... You know, just say drugs are cool by me. <laughs> just say yes yeah, I mean, to drugs. <laughs> if I was if I was running, say a small, you know, farm to table uh, drug selling outfit, I don't know if you would be my first choice as a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't feel like sales is necessarily your best attribute. I feel like yeah. you're more of a you know a logistics type person. Sure. Uh, but it's nice to hear that I was I was wrong in this case. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, Ramona. I, I just really appreciated getting that, and I wanted to share with everyone. Um, I like I like that that is a, is genuinely heartwarming, while at the same time uh, being like uh, uh, the exact opposite of what a like every uh, every after school special <laughs> exactly <laughs> that I ever saw. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, hey, let's uh, do recommendations, the part of the show where we say, why not go watch this movie instead of that one? Although, with Money Plane, you know, you could probably find time for both if that's the kind of thing you like. Yeah, it's like no, 80 Dan, minutes long, man. No, Dan. It's Ticking like, uh, clock. You only have one movie. What do you choose? What do you choose? Chopping Money mall. Plane or something? Chopping, or chopping mall. mall. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I wanted to recommend, I mean, recommend is a hard one with this one, but I watched uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is a very uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, punishing movie, but very good. Uh, I really like Lynn Ramsey. I liked Morvern Collar a lot. I liked You Were Never Really Here a lot. Yeah, Laugh um, Factories. Laugh Factories, all of them. I mean, this one is about... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I will tell you what it's about, and then you can decide whether you think you have the fortitude for it. It was about a child who, um, you know, uh, kills a bunch of his fellow students, and uh, it is focused on his mother, played by Tilda Swinton, who is um, shown both sort of in the days and years leading up to uh, these murders and the time afterwards, and showing how. She's a pariah afterwards, blamed by almost everyone who, uh, you know, lives in this community. And how beforehand she was not happy in her life. Uh, This child, Kevin, was a very difficult child in many ways. And even from the start, she had ambivalent feelings about motherhood. And it's just an interesting dive into her psyche because, you know, she obviously... Like, this guy did horrible things, but she blames herself, wonders whether 
she should blame herself. It it, it is done in this like fractured style. This and Kevin um, Kevin is presented at least for me almost cartoonishly villainous. Yes, and so I think part of that too is like that puts you inside her mind. Like, is this real? Is this just the way she sees this child who is uh, yeah. cruel to her? Like. Like, where does the cruelty come from? Is did, was it was he born with it? Was it because he could sense somehow that he was unloved? You, you know, it's it's a movie that asks a lot of very like depressing and interesting questions, and puts you in the mind of her as she kind of dissolves under the weight of them. On the other hand, it's a movie that postulates the concept that Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley would be a couple, and I love it so much, guys. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I, I thought it was a, a great movie and um, also like weirdly moving at the ending. So uh, that's mine. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that, uh, that came out a little bit ago on Netflix. I don't think we recommended it yet. Uh, I'm going to recommend Spike Lee's new movie, Defy Bloods. Um, it's uh, part hangout movie, part war movie. Uh, part a con you know comment on uh you know the current uh well not the current conversation about race um it's a movie uh that talks a lot about the american war in vietnam and i think i mean i i am in no position to uh to really comment on how accurate it is uh but it feels like it's attempting to uh say something or say something in a different way about about that war and uh the you know it's got probably some of the best performances uh from uh, a group of great actors delroy lindo in particular is incredible um and uh it's great uh and and with the uh passing of chadwick boseman uh it makes his performance uh almost like right now it's gut-wrenching just thinking about it um so yeah, uh, it's it's a little long, but I, th- I think it's worth the trip. Defy Bloods. Uh, as mentioned in the our answers to letter cues, I'm going to recommend a movie that I feel like tries some things that don't really work, but there are a number of things that do work in it. Uh, and that movie is Motherless Brooklyn, uh, the adaptation that Edward Norton worked on for years and years of the book Motherless Brooklyn, and that finally came out last year, where functions less as an adaptation of the book and more as a Elseworlds story uh, for <laughs> anyone familiar with those where the main character from the book has been removed from the original setting and put in the 1950s. Uh, and <laughs> the ambition in it is that Edward Norton is basically trying to use the uh, loosely uh, fictionalized version of the story of Robert Moses to do like what Chinatown did for LA for New York. And he does not succeed in that. It is not the Chinatown that New York deserves. And there are two main issues that I have with it. One is that uh, the main character is a person who's dealing with serious, um, like, what's the what's the way to put it? Uh, essentially a form of... Um, Isn't oh, it Tourette's? Is yeah, that... Tourette's. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of it. He's basically dealing with Tourette's, and it's something that never really causes him any problems. He just kind of, he, he shouts things and can't control himself, but nobody, it never really gets in, it never really seems to be a complication in his life. Just like a, a colorful could... character trait. Yes, exactly. Which feels like it is both, it is trying to empower a character with threats, but it seem, feels like it diminishes and yeah. trivializes the problem. But uh, the, and at the same time, it is a movie that is trying to say something about 
racism in American infrastructure planning, and especially New York infrastructure planning in the middle of the 20th century, but the characters are so comfortable with characters of other races, and there's none of the awkwardness that comes between people of different races interacting that you're like, oh, this is a movie about racism by someone who doesn't really seem to like get the experience of racism. That being said, it is a really well-made movie in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of great sequences in it. The score is in it, in it is fantastic, and if you remove the movie from its ambitions, it is a really well-made kind of uh, well-put-together kind of mystery uh, period movie. And I actually enjoyed watching it a lot, and it was just like you can always feel the gap between what it is attempting and what it is pulling off. But mm-hmm. it's kind of worth watching if just for the score and the costume design and the production design of it. It looks great. Does it, and, Charlene has mentioned interest in seeing it, but I was I kind of held off because it seemed like it was going to be a big mess. Uh, so you're saying... I would say... It, you're saying it's uh, not watch a big it? mess. I think, I think it's... The thing is, it, actually, it would be a more exciting movie in some ways if it was more of a mess. Yeah. It is a really, like, competently well-made movie that has a lot of good stuff to it, and it fits into this... It, it feels like it wants to be a throwback to movies of the... 50s or 70s uh-huh. but it actually is a throwback to movies of like the late 80s where it was like you could go to the movie theater and see like a three-star suspense yeah. thriller yeah and be like oh yeah that was really good there were a lot of good people in that uh so motherless <laughs> well, brooklyn i mean like that's actually the most effective thing you said because i want to return to a time where i could go to the movie theater and just see like a three-star suspense thriller yeah like, and i just feel like that's a past era and i like it and and it's like, kind I of guess I'll watch The Devil's Own. It's got Brad Pitt, <laughs> Harrison Ford in I mean, it. I mean, I think it's I think it's better than The Devil's Own. But, but, the, <laughs> but like, but when you would have a lot of people who are really good at their jobs making a movie that is not a a huge movie, you know, yeah. that's what it feels like. And so, and not doesn't feel like an independent movie. It feels like a studio movie. But uh, you know, for, yeah, for the days when it was like, it feels like a movie made in like 1992. You know, like 1988. So, Motherless Brooklyn, it's not going to change your life, but it's better than you would think. Well, okay, guys, uh, let's close up the flop house for this episode. I got to go uh, cook some dinner. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, do we, do I'm we sure have a second? I want to talk a little bit more. Uh, you guys had mentioned a lot of interest. You want to talk more about uh, the relationship between the Astra Militarum and the Adeptus Astartes in the Warhammer uh, 40,000 universe. You know what? Just text us after uh, after the show. Sure, a text, maybe a FaceTime chat, or uh, either that that Discord one. channel you guys keep wanting me to just set up. Just let me. I mean, let me sign off before you FaceTime me again. Okay. I, mean, I promise I will. You know, I'll I'll, I'll uh, pick up again. I just you know I like to have different files for. This yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting for Mark Summers to pick up. He's not answering his phone. But yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I'll yeah, do I that afterwards. I think he's having well, trouble with that basement situation. I would love to hear more about the Miscumum Pestidorum and the and the Antipasto Bolonum. Yeah, that sounds yeah. Uh, it sounds real fun. Okay, well, uh, thank you to Jordan Cowling for uh, editing this nonsense. Thank you to Maximum Fun for helping us uh, broadcast this nonsense and make money off of it. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to you, the listener. Uh, Please rate us over at iTunes or tweet about us or do whatever you can to get uh, the word out to the world. Uh, Thank you for continuing to listen, uh, even though we're in the midst of a pandemic and there's a lot less commuting. Uh, It means that we're all the more important to you. So I appreciate it. Yeah, so help us get the word out. Tell your mom. You need, you've been looking for a reason mm-hmm. to call your mom. Just call and tell her about the Flophouse. She you probably know? knows a couple of people that like podcasts or movies. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. Hey there, Elliot Kalen, saying goodbye. Bye. Bye.
On this episode, we discuss Muddy Plane. What happens when you videotape a live-action role-playing game of Leverage? (laughs) (laughs) MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.